This is Clay from Skilled Gentleman Podcast. You're listening to today's survival show with Bob Main. Hi, folks. I'm Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of today's survival show, helping you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. You know, I said that to a friend of mine the other day who was kind of upset with some things going on in his life, and he said, hey, that makes pretty good sense. Well, those are the words of Teddy Roosevelt, and I thought that they would be a pretty good theme for this show. Doing what you can with what you have, wherever you are. Sometimes that's the situation that you find yourself in. And that is what I hope that you practice. So what is modern survival, modern common sense survival? You know, some people say that they coined that phrase. You know, other famous podcasters and things say, oh, that, I coined that phrase. I, I'm not quite sure about that. You know, hey, it's modern times. And, and survivalism is, is becoming more and more popular, but we're in modern times. So, I mean, what are we, what are we supposed to call it? Ancient survival? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of that's silly. So I think all of us know that those of us who are podcasting today, most of us, when we start talking about prepping and survival, we start talking about how to apply it in modern times. So modern survival, I don't think really, that's not really a phrase that belongs to anybody. It's just, uh, it's kind of out there. So a couple episodes ago, I talked about some tenets, and that was part one. Now I want to talk about some other tenets that some of it is complementary to what I talked about back in the other episode, which was episode 274. Just a quick review of the last episode real quick. Cal Wilson the author of Dirt Cheap Valuable Prepping, which is an excellent book. You can find it on Amazon. Cal's also on our forum, today's Survival Show forum. And he interviewed James Wesley Rawls, uh, the author of the Patriots novel series. And very informative interview. If you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to episode number 275. I think you'll enjoy it. By the way, since I just mentioned the forum, today's Survival Show forum is its relatively small by internet standards, but it's a good informative one. So if you want to participate, uh, just go to the uh, forum page at todayssurvival.com. Sign up. Register. After you do that, you got to make one more step. You have to send me an email, and that email address is bob at todayssurvival.com. And tell me that you signed up. Give me your username, and then I'll get your, your account approved probably in about 12 hours or less. That's the best way that I keep spammers off of the forum. So I want to set up this topic here. Uh, but first of all, before... Well, actually, this does kind of partially set up the topic, what I want to talk about. One of my listeners by... He goes... His nickname or his handle is Mark the Noof. Hi, Mark. How you doing? <laughs> I know that you listen, and uh, here's a shout-out to you. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm on the road right now to your fair city of Houston, Texas. Most of you know I go to Houston, Texas quite a bit. I live in San Antonio, And I go to Houston for business quite a bit. So as I'm cruising eastbound on Interstate 10, I am going to talk to you about common sense prepping skills. So Mark Danoof called in, and I don't have his voicemail available to play for you. I might might squeeze it in here 
And uh, But if I don't get a chance, let me just tell you what he said. He wanted to bring up something I said about credit cards back in the episode 274, I believe it, that was the number of it, Modern Survival Tenants Part 1. Something I said about credit cards. Basically, I said don't use credit cards. I'm a big Dave Ramsey believer, and I'm, you know, I mean, Dave Ramsey, Dave Ramsey changed my financial life back in 2006. And I'm a big believer in his programs and in his philosophies and things. And like him, I'm kind of against credit cards. But Mark said, he called in and he said, Bob, you know, if you're responsible with credit cards, you could get a credit card with a real low limit. And I'll explain why you want one with a low limit here in just a minute. And he said, if you're real responsible, it can be a real useful tool. You know, for example, for people who travel a lot, renting cars. Now, I will say there is, that right there is one reason why having a credit card with a low limit could make some sense. Although, I still think that they're pretty dangerous. But I'll tell you a little bit more about why and why they might not be here in just a few minutes. You know, I get a friend of mine that did some traveling recently for medical purposes. She and her husband went to Florida because she had to have a special surgery. And so they went to Tampa, Florida. They traveled. And the rental car company that they had booked the car through would not accept their debit card. Uh, would, would not accept their Visa debit card. And there are there are car rental companies that won't do that, that won't accept the uh, debit cards. I typically use Enterprise and National Rent-A-Car. And they do, what they do is they put a $250 or $300 hold on your debit card, which means they freeze $250 to $300 of funds in your checking account. And they don't release those funds. Sometimes sometimes they take up to a week after you rent the car to release those funds. So if you don't have a lot of money in your account that the debit card's charged to, I could see how that could be a problem. You know, the other thing is from a fraud standpoint. You know, Mark brought up that if your credit card is obtained fraudulently, and if it happens to be a debit card, well, that could be disastrous because if you have a pretty fair amount of money in your checking account, they could get a, you know, the thieves could get a hold of more money than if you had a real low limit credit card. You know, there's some argument for that. You know, I will say this. A debit card, a Visa or a MasterCard debit card, it offers you the same fraudulent protection that a regular credit card does. The same fraud prote- protection. Now, I know that because it happened to me and my wife uh, about a year and a half ago. wasn't a lot of money, thank God. was not a lot of money. But it happened... And my bank took care of it. My bank, where I've got the Visa debit card, they took care of it. No problem. And it's, you know, so you are protected. But if it is an actual credit card, there are places that will accept it where they won't accept debit cards. So you got to be responsible, though, folks. Why a low limit? Well, first of all, I think a low limit keeps you from spending too much. And hey, you know, that's one of the major tenets is keep your financial house in order. Now, most of you know that I'm a man of faith. I'm a Christian. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I believe that there is an eternal life after death and that I wish to spend it in heaven with Christ. And so it's also, in my opinion, it is a godly 
value to keep your financial house in order. Hope you'll agree with me on that. But even if you don't share my faith, it's very common sense to keep your financial house in order. And credit cards, can they just offer too much temptation, in my opinion. And here's one of the problems with getting a low-limit credit card. If you get a low-limit credit card and you begin to use it and you pay it on time, because, hey, a responsible use of a credit card is you pay it off every month and you don't pay any interest and you don't accumulate out-of-control debt. After a while, when you do that and you become a good customer for the credit card company, they will raise your spending limit. And a lot of times they'll raise your spending limit automatically. They won't even call you. You'll just get a letter in the mail or an email saying, hey, your your credit limit's been raised. And then you got to go through the hassle of calling them up and say, oh, I don't, I don't want that much money. I just want a smaller amount of money. You know, and sometimes, folks, it's it can be real tempting. You know, uh, there's more pain. There's more pain associated in spending money that's already in your checking account. So there's more pain in spending money with a debit card. And I think that's a good thing. Okay, cause it makes you think about it more. It makes you think about what you're spending. You have to budget. You have to make sure you have the money in your bank account first. There's not as much pain with a credit card. Oh, I can just pay for it later. Yeah, I'll that's okay. I'll I'll always have my job. I'll always have my job. I'll, I'll be able to make the payments, no problem. And then you do it again, then you do it again, then you do it again, you do it again. And after a while, before you know it, you get this bill, and you look at it, and you got 6000 or $7,000 that you owe on your credit card. Well, hey, how did that happen? And maybe the credit card may say, well, we're only going to start you off with a $1,000 limit. Okay? And that might be true. And they only start you off with a $1,000 limit. I'll tell you what, if you go 12 months and you charge something every month and you pay it off every month, the next thing you know you're going to have a $1,500 limit, then a $200 and $2,000 and $3,000. And before you know it, you've gotten used to using this credit card. You've got a $5,000 limit. Now, does that mean that you've got to go spend $5,000 on it? No. If you don't feel that you can be responsible enough to not max out your credit card, don't have one. If you have a young person in your family and you don't believe that that person is smart enough or a good enough money manager, don't encourage them to get a credit card. Okay, I've been discouraging my son, who just turned 18, by the way. I've been discouraging him from getting an actual credit card. Okay, going to set him up with a debit card pretty soon, but he's been getting along just fine paying cash. Hey, what's wrong with paying cash, ladies and gentlemen? Cash is king. I've said that many times. What's wrong with paying cash? Get good receipts. Now, there. here's another place where a credit card could help you, although a debit card pretty much would do the same thing. Sometimes if you have a dispute with the merchant... It can be you can have more leverage settling your dispute if you put your if you put your um, purchase on a credit card because a credit card company will go to bat for you and they will help you dispute that merchant. But I tell you what, if you don't win that dispute, you still owe the money. And even if you were right, even if you got ripped off, but you didn't win the dispute, you're still going to have to pay the credit card company. And I've done that too. I've di- I've disputed purchases using my debit card 
my Visa debit card that comes out of my checking account. I've disputed those purchases, and even though I was out the money while the dispute was going on, I think the dispute went on like 21 to 30 days, even though I was out that money, the bank did return that money to me. A lot of it depends on what kind of a relationship that you have with your bank as well. Um, the bank that my wife and I use, I'm not going to talk, I'm not going to say publicly who it is, but the bank that my wife and I use, we've been, we've been with them a long time. We do keep a fairly substantial amount of money in there. We've been customers for a very, very long time. And we're loyal to them, and they're loyal to us. So I, I'm sure that we probably get based on how much money we keep with them and how long we've been with them, I'm pretty sure that we get somewhat better treatment than a brand new customer. And a lot of you can find a small town bank. you know, And maybe you don't even live in a small town, but you can find a small bank. You can find a smaller bank than, than maybe some of these big national chains, and you can develop a relationship with one of the executives in that small bank or one of the uh, branch managers. And as long as you develop that relationship, a lot of times if you're frauded out of some money, you can get some help that way. But pay things as much as you can in cash. It's also less traceable, so think about that. All right. How many of you read Furfall's blog? And uh, Furfall wrote a, a very popular book, Surviving in Argentina, and he's written a whole lot of other articles. F-E-R-F-A-L. F-E-R-F-A-L. Furfall.blogspot.com. I'm going to put a link to this, um, this post that I'm about to share with you. But Furfall makes some pretty good, good points. So I'm going to do some partial quoting and some paraphrasing of his post and again there will be a link in the show notes for this episode and you can read word for word exactly what Furfall said but he talks about some things that I think that I would like to say are are good tenets of modern survival and one of them he talks about is um, using cash and uh, but before we get into using cash I'm going to talk a little bit about things like passports um, here's something for you to think about. Okay, and then we're going to get into the uh, spending cash philosophy. So Furfall is talking about, he references a CNN article recently. And the CNN article was about the world's best and worst passports. Now, why is this a, why does this pertain to modern survival? Uh, I'm going I'm to explain why I think it does after I share with you what Furfall said. He said a second passport, especially one of a first world nation or the EU, is, is a good idea. Um, and people say, well, yeah, but that's not food. It's not water or guns or ammo or medication. Or it's not teaching you how to garden or, or produce anything. Well, that's true. And those are all very important. Um, but let's talk about a worst case scenario. Because I know a lot of you like to prep for a worst case scenario. We all should. But some of you really like to you know, prep for what happens if it really gets worse. And you do have to bug out. And you have to bug out so much that you even have to maybe leave the country. Maybe there's a pandemic or, or war or some kind of tyranny. Now, you know, the way the world's going today, uh, you know, back when I started this podcast about six or six and a half years ago, you know, I thought, yeah, you know what, we don't have to get too worried about major scenarios happening. I tell you what, 
my mind has changed a little bit about that in the last six years or so. My ideas about pandemics and war and tyranny and terrorism, because of recent events, that's changed quite a bit. So Furfall says a second citizenship is without a doubt your most valuable tool. If you're in a position to do that, why not possess two passports, especially if both of them are from prominent countries? It's a much easier way to travel. And even to all of my U.S. listeners, do you have a U.S. passport? If you don't, ladies and gentlemen, get it. That, In my opinion, if... You know, you have to think about what if you do have to leave the country, even if it's temporarily. Now, I know people say, oh, there's no other country I'd rather be than the USA. Well, I have to be real careful here because I have international listeners that love their countries, too. I do love the USA. I love the USA a lot. I've been to 11 different countries. And in none of the other 11 countries I've been to would I ever want to live unless I absolutely had to. There are a few I could handle, but most of them not. But you know, that doesn't apply to everybody. That sentiment doesn't apply to everybody. Okay? But a U.S. passport is very, a very good thing to have. If you are a U.S. citizen, you have a U.S. passport, you can go anywhere in the world. Now, not that you want to go anywhere in the world. And sometimes, some countries are closed. They're closed due to the events that are going on in that country. Hey, how about that for a concept? A closed country. How about that? A country with borders. A country with a government that says, yeah, maybe people can't come in here for a while. Or maybe we're going to be very, very, very picky about who we let in, because we've got some trouble here. Isn't that a cool concept? Man, that's kind of neat. There are countries that do that. Did you know that? There are countries that do that. You know, yet people who talk about a closed country or closed borders are made to sound like they're some kind of an evil person when there's... Trust me, folks, there are a lot of countries in the world that have closed borders, even if it's temporary, until they get situated, what they want to get situated in their own country. But if you have a U.S. passport or a Canadian passport, both of those, you can do a lot of traveling. Furfall says many Americans could also get an EU citizenship, maybe through Ireland, Spain, Germany, and Italy. Like, for example, if you have a grandparent from one of those countries, it usually costs very little money. You just make a few phone calls and have some patience. He said there's a reason why an EU passport costs millions of dollars. Hmm, what are the... uh, That's interesting. What are the advantages? Wealthy people from other nations find it to be a powerful tool for business and for financial reasons. Okay? Now... It might not be much of an interest to you, but there are key advantages for the average Joe person, the average person, even if you're not a wealthy person, like you and me. Now, I want you to read the article to gather everything, but one of the points that that Furfall makes is he says, you know, with a second citizenship from a serious country, you have an embassy, you have a country backing you and a place to go as a citizen if there's war or disasters of great magnitude or you know maybe there's a big disaster or there's a there's a huge authoritarian regime 
means that you do have somewhere to go. And for some of you listening to me from other countries, if you have the ability to get a U.S. passport, uh, get that U.S. passport. It doesn't cost a lot of money. But just as Furfall is explaining, you would have U.S. embassies backing you. And you'd have a place that you could go, USA. Okay? Think about it. Now, there's a big crisis with refugees, right? Today? Syrian refugees? Furfall says, you know, if we learn anything about the current refugee crisis... He says, it sucks to be one, and he's right. But with a second citizenship, it would help. So, you know, here's some things to think about. He says, if you believe you can get a second citizenship, don't even think about it, just do it. You know, your kids, great-grandkids, or a family member further down the bloodline might thank you for it one day. Now... Here's another reason. Okay? US passport. It's the it's probably one of the most ultimate forms of identification. Now, th- th- this is I'm throwing in my two cents here. It's one of the ultimate forms of identification. Basically, it's it's one of the best ways that you can prove who you are in a disaster situation that could prove useful. My passport goes with me everywhere. Now, I know that passports are big targets for thieves. If you carry your passport properly and you stay armed, like I do, whenever you can, wherever it's allowed, you can cut down on the likelihood of your passport getting stolen. They're not that difficult to replace if they do get stolen. But just don't be stupid. Don't make it easy for thieves to get. And if you just use a little bit of common sense, that shouldn't be too hard to figure out. So I I think it is a great prepping tool. It's something, and, you know, is that a modern survival tenet? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. But for a U.S. citizen that's into, that wants to have all their bases covered, Yeah, I think it could be a a modern survival tenant. Have a good way, easy way to travel. You know, don't assume... Don't assume that travel is going to be shut down. Matter of fact, for those of you who like to prep for bugging out... Well, hey, if you're going to be bugging out... Don't always assume that you can bug out somewhere in the U.S. You may need to bug out to a different country. Just think about that if it were to get really bad. And like I said, it might not be permanent. It could be for only six months, a year, a couple years, three years. And then maybe you can return back to the USA or you can return back to your home country after spending some time somewhere else. So think about that. And I think that I think that proper identification, proving who you are, and having an easy way to travel is definitely a tenet that you need to have covered. You need to cover that base in your preps. Now, I, I was talking about cash earlier being king. And uh, there's a great podcast uh, in the rabbit hole 
com, and they recently put out an episode, episode number 61. I will link to that, too, because you should go listen to that uh, podcast. Good stuff. I listen there occasionally. Uh, they talk about the nomad theory that says you can do almost anything if you have a bottle of water, a handgun, and a thousand bucks. Okay? So, you know, think about that. And the furfall principle is this. With a gun, a couple passports, credit cards, and 5000 bucks, you can buy whatever you need, relocate to any country you want, and eventually start over if you need to. Well, I'm taking a break right now answering a phone call, talking to somebody. It's For me, it's a long time. For you, it's going to be very short because you're just going to listen to this little announcement during the break, and then I'm going to get back to the main topic very soon. If you like my show, if you want to support me, you can do it without spending any extra money. I know a lot of you listening, you buy things on Amazon, and I have an Amazon affiliate account. And if you want to support me, make your purchases through my Amazon store at todayssurvival.com. And when you do that, Amazon pays me a fee. A lot of you do it every month. I've had that going on now for a few years. And a lot of you are doing it every month. And I appreciate that very much. All you have to do is go to todayssurvival.com. There's two S's in that address. Todayssurvival.com. Go to the Amazon store page. Those are the first two steps. That's it. And then go to Amazon going through my website. And if you do that every time you buy something on Amazon, you'll be supporting Bob Maynard today's survival show. You can also, if you want to, if you like to watch educational videos, really good educational videos. Uh, my friend Ben Branham from the Modern Self Protection Podcast and myself, we produce firearms instructional videos, uh, very good quality shooting videos. It tells you what you need to practice. It doesn't really give you training but it tells you what you need to practice. We call it the Shooter's Club. And if you go to todayssurvival.com, over on the right-hand side of the page, you'll see how to, su- how to sign up for the Shooter's Club. You can do it for only $8 a month. You can support this show for only $8 a month. You can save a little bit of money and get yourself a one-year membership for $75, and we'll send you the password either way. Between now and the 30th of April, anybody that joins the Shooter's Club gets a free hat. It's a baseball-style flex-fit hat, a real nice one that says Shooter's Club on it. So, hey, you get a hat that's worth about $25 or so just for signing up. You do have to sign up for the annual membership at $75 to get the hat, but you still get the benefit of the videos even if you support me for $8 a month. So I, I would appreciate it if you could do one of those two things. And don't forget to give me some iTunes reviews if you're listening to this podcast through iTunes. Okay, back to the main topic. Okay, I had to take a break there and get a phone call or take a phone call, and uh, made a little bit of a mistake in the in the prior segment. I was talking about disputing charges on my debit card. That was actually an American Express. I got to thinking about it. it. Was actually through American Express. I do carry an American Express. I don't carry the credit card version of the American Express. By the way, I carry the charge card version of American Express. There's a difference. And I had to dispute it through American Express. But I have had to dispute fraud charges on one of my checking accounts. Uh, fraud on a debit card, and I was very well protected and very well taken care of. So, anyway, I wanted to correct that. Getting back to the nomad theory, 
So Furfall's principle is, you know, with a gun, a couple passports, credit cards, and 5000 bucks, you can buy or get whatever you need, relocate to several countries, and eventually start over. Not sure about the gun part. Not sure if I could leave the U.S. or if, if people could easily travel to other countries with a firearm. But, you know, with everything else, yeah, that's true. If you had to get out of the country... And you've got the resources. That might be one thing that might, you might want to plan and, and prep for. Not not the bulk of your preps, but it's something to consider, isn't it? The nomad theory is a, is is correct in a strict term with the inclusion of water. In 99% of the cases, you can either find water or just buy it. You know that's that's a good point. A lot of people. You know, prepping and, and storing water is important, and a lot of people really make a huge deal about storing water. When is the last time that you heard of someone dying from thirst? Think about that. Now, okay, maybe you're not in a real major disaster situation. And sure, it becomes much more of a problem in a major disaster Situation, But the likelihood is, if you have a way to purify water, you're very likely to be able to find water or barter or buy water in a disaster situation. Not that you shouldn't store it. If you store a reasonable amount of water, especially water that you can drink, if it's a reasonable amount and you can use some water purification tablets or you can boil water... Uh, and, and things like that, and you can repurify or even get more of the bad stuff out of the water that you might already have, or you're reasonably storing it and rotating it, I think for a large majority of disasters, you're going to be fine. We don't hear too many people dying from thirst. I mean, at least not in first world countries. Yes, in other countries, it's sad, it's tragic, it's awful, it's hell on earth. In other countries where people are dying of hunger and of thirst. And every day, I thank God above that I live in a USA where our resources are plentiful and we do not have to worry about that. Yet! Yeah, and I, and I say yet. I'll just let you think about that one but uh, hey having having oxygen that's more important you know so think about that um, and good food to eat might be even harder to obtain than water so just kind of kind of think about that you could even do without the firearm as well but you know let's suppose a worst case scenario where violence becomes quite quite prevalent quite rampant Okay, then as I mentioned before, you're going to need the protection. So either while getting to the airport to catch a last-minute flight or buying your way across the border, um, it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't hurt to have a firearm at least to get to the airport. If there's if the the route to the airport is blocked or or filled with a lot of problems along the way, and then having plenty of cash to be able to buy yourself across the border, or or even if you're not going to leave the country, maybe you need to fly to a different location, and you know, hate to say this, but you might have to tip somebody very big to be able to travel to where you want to go. So just think about that. 
Um, it wouldn't hurt to have a few gold coins and a few silver uh, silver coins or small silver uh, bars. Uh, silver coins are good because of their collectible value. Silver silver bars are good. Uh, some some small gold coins if you can afford it. Those can be excellent bartering items, especially for a collapsed dollar scenario. So you need to have some of that. Uh, you know, up until now, a bunch of $100 bills pretty much buys you what you need. And unless we're in a really, really, really major collapse, th- that those stacks of $100 bills, even if they're worthless, they're still going to speak quite loudly in a, in a bad stink-hit-the-fan situations. Uh, the credit cards become more important for getting a hotel room. I talked about that earlier. Um, so, you know, you, if you think about it, there's a lot of things that you might want to prep for that are kind of... People think, well, it's obvious. Okay, Bob, it's obvious. I should have cash. I should have a passport. I should have a plan. But do you also possess the people skills to be able to negotiate. I talked a little bit about that back in episode 274. And there are all different types of things. You know, you can read a lot on, and you can learn a lot on negotiation. That's important as well. Now, again, I'm going to refer you to uh, intherabbithole.com and listen to some of their episodes. There's some good stuff. But there are seven things I want to close this episode with that a lot of people make a mistake doing and this kind of is like a part two on modern survival tenets. This is, if you think about what too many people do, I think incorrectly, you'll be able to kind of figure out what some of the tenets are that I'm speaking about. First of all, relying too much on bullets and firearms you know, as a sole preparation method. And I, I try very hard, as much as I love guns, as much as I love firearms... I have to remind myself, you know, I just I can't rely solely on my guns and my bullets. I can't eat my bullets. I can't always shoot somebody. And I might not always be able to barter a firearm or ammunition. Yes, they could be valuable in a real bad stink-hit-the-fan event, but I can't rely solely on them. And, you know, you hear a lot of people say, I'm prepared. I'm prepared. I got 5,000 rounds of two twenty-three. I got 4,000 rounds of 9mm and another 3,000 rounds of 45 ACP and I got 9 guns. I'm, I'm prepared because I can go take whatever I need in a disaster. You know, that's not true. I beg to differ with anybody that says I can just go take whatever I need. I, I think if it's a disaster where, where local law enforcement and the National Guard and even the military get mobilized quite a bit and you start getting violent because you're trying to take what you need because you didn't prepare, and I think they're going to shut you down pretty quick. And a lot of people have these crazy fantasies about fending off a horde of law enforcement or National Guardsmen coming at them. And I'm sorry to tell you, you're going to be outnumbered and you're going to be outgunned quickly. And if you're known in a stink-hit-the-fan event, event, if you're known as an agitator, if you're known as a violent aggressor, they're going to shut you down. Now, some people 
are way too focused on food and only food. Focusing only on food and water for preparations. That's it. And they feel if they got stockpiles of food, a ton of water, and a big, huge garden, that's it. They're done. No, you're not done. You're not done. You, you know, you have, to, you have to be able to have some preps in, in a lot of the areas that I talked about back in episode 274 and this episode in 276. Some people have the fortress or the bunker mentality. You know, bugging in as the lone plan. That's it. That's all they do. That's the way they prep. Is they're, bug, they're bugging in. Now, I would rather bug in than have to bug out. Leaving is my last resort, but you better have a plan if you're going to go somewhere. Do you have contacts? Do you know people who would take you in, whether it's short-term or or long-term? Do you have the good contacts with family members? Do you have the good friends? Do you have the like-minded friends? Even if you have to drive to uh, one other state or, you know, four or five hundred miles... Um, as long as you got, again, you got plenty of money, you got plenty of supplies, you got a good vehicle, you got some protection, you got some knowledge, you have a plan, maybe you have people with you, you would be surprised. If you've got to go to a friend or relative's house and stay for a while, you'd be surprised what you can do. The problem is, if you have none of what I've just talked about, then you're going to be in a world of hurt. But don't don't have just the the fortress and bunker mentality. And then the opposite is true. People have only a bug out strategy. That's it. A plan of preparation that involves nothing but leaving. It's not good either. Because leaving might not be the best choice. Staying put and using what you got could be the best choice. And even if it's only the best choice for a few weeks or a few months, and then you know eventually you're going to have to leave... The fact that you have supplies at your home and that you have preps at your home buys you, guess what? It buys you time, valuable time, to be able to make the contacts you need, make your plan of action, and get prepared to leave if that's what you eventually have to do. And then you got the isolationists. That's bad, too. Seeking isolation as a sole solution. I can't tell you how many times on forums or even in other podcasts I've heard the isolationists say, I'm, I got a plan. I'm supplied. I, I, I've, I've taken a whole bunch of wilderness survival classes, and I'm hitting the wilderness, and I'm never coming back. Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible if you know what you're doing. Have you been training for years? On how to live in the wilderness? Do you already live in the wilderness? Do you have any experience for a, a length of time living in the wilderness? Or are you a city or suburban dweller like me that really doesn't know too much about living in the wilderness? That's one of my weaknesses. I'll admit that. I don't mind admitting that. So you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to try to go sustain myself for six months living off the land. I'm not prepared for that right now. Would I be prepared uh, prepared for that someday? Maybe. Is that always going to be necessary? Probably not. Probably not. Unless that's the way you want to live. There's nothing wrong with living like that. And if that's the way you want to live, and you like to be out where you're very, very isolated, and you're self-sustainable, great! Learn what you can learn. Go do it. Live that way. And God bless you. And I mean that in a good way, because 
lots of people, a lot more people used to live that way back in the day than they do now. And then, here's the one, here's the mentality that too many people have. The others mentality. The others are going to take care of me. The others are going to take care of me. You know, you know, for some people, that's a prep strategy. Can you believe that? That's a survival strategy. How? Wow. How naive is that? The others are going to take care of me. You know, the government is going to be there. Oh, the government will never completely collapse, Bob. Come on. You're just being, you know, you're just being a tinfoil hatter. Well, a complete collapse? That might be unlikely. But a partial collapse? I think that's very likely, folks. And who knows when, but it's very likely. You know, during this presidential uh, election cycle, you know, you you see all these polls about the different candidates and the issues and, and people... People talk about what they think is likely to happen or what they think is important. And what, you know what's interesting about all these, and here's the way I'm going to close this show. I don't like to talk about politics too much, but since we're in a kind of a political season right now, because it's March 2016, I don't know when some of you are going to listen to this show, but if you're listening to this show way out in the future, I'm talking right now in March 2016. And you know what? The United States presidential election season is in full swing. The primary elections are going on right now. The, the primary elections where people pick the candidates from each of our two major parties to run for president of the United States. And then in November of this year, uh, people will go back to voting again for the president. And you know... So many people, as they're being polled and interviewed and all these focus groups and all that, they're, they're really talking about wanting a leader that, that can make the government better and make the government work for them better. Now, I have a problem with that. Okay? You know, I'm not anti-government. And I'm not going to dispute the fact that government should work for us, not the other way around. We, the people, should not be working for the government. The government should be working for us. That's the way that at least this country was set up. But for some people, that's a method of preparation. They want to try to influence the process on a local level, a state level, or a federal level... To make the government work better for them. And then, of course, they don't do anything else. And that's all they're worried about. You know, I wish that, I wish that at least a little bit, when, when a pollster calls somebody and asks them, gives them a multiple choice question and asks them, which of these issues is more, most important to you in this election cycle? Is it borders? Is it terrorism? Is it economy? Is it health care? Is it blah, 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 blah? I think the next time I get that phone call, I'm, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say neither or other. I'm going to say self-reliance. Taking care of one's self. Teaching people to be self-reliant. To rely mostly on themselves and their God and their faith. You have to have that, by the way, folks. 
I think you have to have faith. You might disagree with me, but uh, people without faith, generally, not all the time, I'm not saying an absolute here, but people without faith generally struggle a lot more than people who do because even though people with faith, even though we do struggle, even though sometimes our trials are greater than people who don't believe, we have a comfort. We have a comfort level in our in our higher power. And we know that in the end, justice will be served and we will be taken care of by keeping the faith. But I just wish one time, and I think the next time I'm called, someone would, would say, relying on oneself and relying on one's faith. That is the most important issue to me. Because you know what? I think that should be the most important issue, not just in America, but worldwide. Would you agree? World wide in every system where the people of a country have relied solely on the government to take care of them it never works when the stink hits the fan with all that ladies and gentlemen I'm going to say thank you for listening to another episode of today's survival show It's my goal to help you do what you can with what you have wherever you are. I'll talk to you next time. Goodbye.